Hi, this is Cindy Wilson, and you're listening to Cigar City Radio. Cigar City Radio is sponsored by No Clubs and StateMedia.com. Find out about upcoming concerts in Tampa Bay by visiting StateMedia.com and tagging No Clubs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Use the hashtag WeAreConcerts. No Clubs has a ton of kick-ass shows coming at you to close out the summer and going into the fall. Just a few here. Thursday, July 26th, Janelle Monet is going to be at Janice Live. Friday, August 10th, American Football at the Orpheum. Tuesday, August 14th, The Sword at the Orpheum. Thursday, September 27th, is Colony House and Tall Heights also at the Orpheum. And that same night, two-show night, so at the Orpheum, you got Colony House, and then also Thursday, September 27th at the Ritz, uh, Matt Kearney's here on his Crazy Talk tour. A couple nights later, Saturday, September 29th, Skizzy Mars is coming to the Orpheum. Uh, Wednesday, October 3rd, Trivium is coming to the Ritz. That'll be a kick-ass metal show. Wednesday, October 10th, Milky Chance is coming to the Ritz. And a show I'm personally very excited for. Wednesday, November 21st, VNV Nation is coming to Janice Live, a band I haven't seen in years. And the last time I saw them was also at Janice Live, so that'll be really cool. Tampa's going to get turnt Friday, November 30th with Little Zan at the Ritz Ebor. So uh, get your tickets for all those shows and more at statemedia.com. The song you just heard was Outright Out of Sight off of Jackson Boone's debut 2014 album, Starlet. Be sure to check out that whole album as it's all fantastic songwriting. Welcome to Cigar City Radio episode number 77. After a nice summer break, we are back. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen. A man who's very much in summer mode right now from his appearance and overall attitude. Mr. Jason Solanas. You ever heard that uh, that Enigma song, Return to Innocence? Or yeah, like, yeah. Native? I'm hip. Hey, hi, 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 hey, That was horrible. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> that was terrible. We're back. Yeah, we're, we're back. We're back. What did you do this summer so far? Because um, I mean, the summer's still going, but we're just, we've given up on summer. It's I've, too hot. I've gone to California to attend a real cigar auction to right. benefit children. We raised more than sixty thousand dollars. That was beautiful for the for Dominican kids, right? For impoverished Dominican children. That's yes. what that's what it's I like. Beautiful, to yeah. And uh, so that's the highlight. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I was in the UK with Fruit and Flowers. That was a a hell of a tour. 
So check that out online. There's a tour recap video that I'm in. I don't like being in videos, but mm. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't escape the cameras. I wish you were in more videos. No, 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 no. There's some oh, videos yeah. that I'm in, but no one else will see it. Oh, really? If you know what I mean. I, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah, but- yeah. Our guest on this episode is Tampa-based singer, songwriter, musician Jordan Esker. With his band Jordan Esker and the 100%, uh, he's got a new album out. just came out in May. It's called Fail to Learn. And uh, we actually recorded this episode before the album came out. So we're kind of going back in time on this one. And he did some really cool stuff where he uh, cut his hair for charity, which was uh, probably quite a decision for him because if you see pictures of him before he cut his hair, uh, Jordan Esker had a lot of hair. Now he has much less hair, but it still looks really good. So you beautiful uh, man. Yeah, head to his Instagram and check that out um, and see what his hair looks like before and after. So you can imagine us in the room together uh, with his long hair. Luscious, luscious long hair. Long hair. Yeah, it yeah. was gorgeous. And this was the first episode that we recorded at the fully renovated Dysfunctional Grace. Um, Dysfunctional Grace is one of our favorite spots in Ybor City. Um, they have very cool items, one-of-a-kind uh, things that you can get only at Dysfunctional Grace, as well as a lot of taxidermy items. So uh, mm-hmm. they expanded into the room next to them because they just had so much stuff that they needed to needed more space. Yeah. So we recorded this uh, right in one of their taxidermy rooms. Yeah. There were where they of, now teach. Yeah, where taxidermy. they now teach taxidermy. So if you're interested in that, yeah. that's the place to go. Or you have a little a little dog that you want to stuff. You know. Yeah, why, why, why do you got to... <laughs> Why you gotta make it weird, man? Why you gotta make it weird? <laughs> That's my job. I know, I know. Well, we love dysfunctional grace. Uh, we love Jordan Esker. Uh, he was really patient on this one because uh, we wanted to get it out sooner. But again, with all the crazy summer plans we had, uh, it just wasn't happening. But now we can finally bring it to you. It's a really great interview with a really cool person. Check out his album "Fail to Learn" on Spotify. Our guest Jordan Esker. Here it is, episode seventy-seven. Upgraded dysfunctional grace art company. Um, there are frogs around us. There are snake skins. There's a zebra skin. There's taxi. Yeah, taxidermy is done on this table, and right now we're <laughs> using it for podcasting. So, yeah, we're getting we're getting weird today, and we're sitting down with somebody we've been wanting to sit down with for a while, actually, uh, Mr. Jordan Esker on the podcast. Welcome, yay, Jordan Esker from Jordan Esker and the Hundred Percent. Yeah. The do you have you thought of maybe maybe changing it to the hundo percent? That's funny you say that because we uh, in private and on our group me it's called uh, JJ and the Hundos. Oh, there you go. Because my middle name is James, um, but we don't want to. I never like JJ, and we don't want the JJ Gray thing to happen. Yeah, yeah. So you know, no offense to him, but you know, yeah, branding. No, oh, I like the hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it it makes me think that you're going in. All the time, you're never going to stop going in. Yeah, you're always going to give a hundred percent. 
we have to. <laughs> yeah, it's in the name. You literally have to yeah, give 100%. It's, it's true. Yeah. So are you are you from Tampa, or like originally born and raised, or um, where are you from? I was born in Columbus, Ohio, actually. Okay. Family's from Akron, Ohio. Um, but I've lived in Tampa on and off since I was 10. So pretty much I yeah. remember my time in Ohio as like another life. Yeah. It's strange, but yeah. So Tampa, Tampa is home then. Tampa, yeah. And and Tampa, or are you on the other side? You're on the other side I've of the bay, also, right? So I am now, but I've lived in basically every area. Like I've lived in Tarpon area. I've lived in Eastlake. I've called almost every area or part of the Tampa Bay region. And that's why I think of it as all the same too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never think of one versus the other. I just think of, a you know, how far is it to drive? Right. That's it. And it's usually around 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah on average, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the good thing about living in this area is, for the most part, most things are about 20 to 30 minutes away. That's true. Depending on where you're going. Especially if you live near a bridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you you're near a bridge, you're, you're set. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's funny how many people have told us that they, like, have moved around the Bay Area. Yeah. So, it's interesting that people don't, you know, people don't stay in one neighborhood. It's not like in New York or Brooklyn where like somebody, you know, is born in Greenpoint and they live in Greenpoint their entire lives and then they die, you know? Yeah. There's, <laughs> so, it's, it's probably, maybe it's like a pride thing. I don't, I guess I don't know anybody that fits under that classification, but it could be maybe like a pride thing. I don't know if anybody gets prideful about, well, you know, a specific Tampa Bay area. Well, it's maybe. Like Dunedin Saint, for yeah, life. You know, yeah, I don't know about not, Dunedin for life. Maybe right. St. Pete, you know, there's yeah. down, downtown St. Pete gets a lot of love. I get, uh, I, I guess Seminole I see, Heights gets a lot of love. Yeah. I see those people and I'm always like, yeah, but you got to go everywhere. Like it's not enough. Like yeah. none of them are enough. You have to, you have to drive. You need to participate in the other ones. And it's kind of fun too, because you, if you get kind of bored or tired of an area, you can say like, I'm going to start going to Ebor more often now or, yeah. or something like that. And Ebor has a very different vibe from downtown St. Pete, which has a very different vibe from Seminole Heights and yeah. on and on, you know? So right. yeah, it's, it's cool that we have little pockets of communities here. And playing too, like when you're, when you're in a band, like you can play Tampa and then play St. Pete the next night. And like, it's not horribly frowned upon as far as bookers go. It's like, oh, okay. Cause a lot of people don't want to cross the bridge anyway. No. Yeah. So, you know, I don't mind booking real close to each other if it's yeah. far away. I'm starting to try to like get over that myself because yeah. I'm one of those people that I I rarely cross the bridge like I it's got to be a you know something that I really really want to see for yeah. me to go to St. Pete but you know now we've been working a lot with uh, state media and no clubs yeah. um they're sponsoring our show so um a lot of their shows are in are at State Theater or Janice Landing so I've been going to Janice and State a lot more often and it's yeah. like you know what but at the same time, it's like I, I also feel like we're we're a little uh, spoiled by that front because we have so many cool venues in different areas of the city where it's like in some places like I have friends that they have to drive two hours to get to a concert, you know, or yeah. an hour and a half to get to a concert. And I'm bitching about crossing the freaking Howard Franklin, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> like, what you know, I, I, I got to I got to have some sympathy for the people that really like, you know, we're lucky to be in a, a pretty cool musical town yeah you know? that's that's true yeah you know? so you got a new album that's yeah. getting that's that you're itching to release i'm yeah. sure uh it's mm -hmm. called fail to learn mm -hmm. coming out may 26th why don't you tell us a little Fifth. bit about oh yeah. may 25th so I'm, the I'm, confusing I'm part is the, the the release show is the next day hey so, yeah that's that's fine give, yeah, give exactly. people a day 24 hours to marinate on yeah it, you know for real yeah so yeah so um, tell me a little bit about the new record yeah so i put 
my first album out actually end of 2014. Um, and Ebor, we had our release show at Market on Seventh when that oh, right was the venue. Yeah, shout out to yeah. to the Market, those guys, Freddie, and yeah. yeah, yeah. We um, so that was great. We so that was man. That's I guess a little over four years now. Um, didn't want to wait this long to put on a second album, but you know, booking and trying to get our name out there a little bit more gets in the way. So yeah, this is the first one that you know. Ever since I released that album, I basically put together a group of people, and people have come in and come out and. For the last maybe two and a half years, we've been a solid four-piece lineup. Right on. Um, so we constructed a lot of these songs together. You know, a lot of them I started, and um, we constructed them all together. Um, and even some other people in the band are starting to uh, start ideas as well. So it's becoming a lot more collaborative. I've always been about that, even in my first album. I like to involve like a ton of musicians who I just had never played with before, and then put mics on their instrument and be like, okay, write your part to this song that I've got. And I've got, you know, the other parts recorded already and you just do your thing. Yeah. So it's really fun to do that. It's kind of an older recording methodology. Um, and I think it's kind of modern too with um, how Nashville works and everything and, you know, session players. So it's kind of like a why not. Um, and even though this album was constructed mainly by everyone in the band, we also collaborated with a lot of, musicians in the area so uh three of the songs have a um he's he doesn't know it but he's kind of like our unofficial fifth member okay um, <laughs> he's, gonna, he's gonna learn about it now yeah right but <laughs> he, he better listen now uh sheldon cooper's his name he's a fantastic musician uh saxophone player keyboard player and um we had a song that we wanted to be like a phil specter wall of sound thing that actually um vincent Montrano, who's his birthday today? Hey. Uh, who's a drummer? It's also Cigar City Management's birthday. Today. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the Happy yeah. Birthday. I know the celebration of our signing a certificate of whatever. Blah blah blah. You know. Congrats. Yeah. So, so how, many yeah. years, how many years is that? Three. Dang. Three. Right, Jason. I'm looking for you for confirmation. No, uh, Four. I can't Four. keep track of time. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, so happy birthday to him. So, yeah. Yeah. So go. But yeah, he yeah. starts. So he, the song that I said, the Phil Spector Wall of Sound type thing, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> he started that song and we kind of all collaborated on it to, to put it together. But um, we had, I realized, like, okay, we have to have a ton of brass. We have to have like a ton of reverb on this thing. It needs to be a big, you know, and, or FM radio type thing from the yeah. 60s girl group. And um, so we worked with Sheldon on, um, you know, putting that all together and he wrote all the music out and got the his band together um young backpack adventure uh it was also a local band and so that was really fun and he played sax on a few other songs and then um we also had uh house of i who's probably our best friend band um play guitar on some songs as well the right two, two guitars so so yeah it's um it's a lot of different sounds it's a lot of different um things and it's kind of what we always do that's really cool yeah so tell me a little bit about the reverb thing. Because yeah. uh, so you 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 use like an actual indoor pool to get that reverb sound. <laughs> yeah. Reverb sound. Yeah, we um so we recorded it at a th- at an undisclosed theater. Okay. Um, <laughs> that that the studio that I work with a lot uh, called Black Key Recording in North Tampa. Um, Daniel is also kind of our unofficial live sound guy, but he um he had a th- access to a theater he was working at. And so um, we we did it all live there. We had a Yamaha piano, drums, bass, and uh, then all the brass. And I ended up layering two of the tri- takes together. And then in addition to that, we also ran all of those tracks through this indoor pool reverb 
which is at Daniel's studio in North Tampa. Right on. Um, he just has a big indoor pool and, um, the reverb is just ridiculous <laughs> that's see that's awesome and i love that yeah. you take the time to actually get a room and get the sound of a room yeah. rather than just using a reverb plug-in which is what a lot of people would do you yeah know? it doesn't do the same thing yeah because i mean that's how like reverb was invented you know and yeah. that's how that's how back in the day you would go and you would find a cave or whatever and you know you'd put the amps in the cave and yeah. get that real you know sound rather than just hitting a button on the on the DAW. You right know? Yeah, so. and and we we really wanted to keep that kind of natural vibe about the whole track too, um, and we use that indoor pool reverb on I think one other song as well. That's really cool. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> That's really cool. Did you did you go in there and just you know sing? I would love to just have a really good echo <clears throat> echoey chamber type room that I could just you know sing like shower like you know yeah <laughs> i did well there's one there's one the song's called rosen it's the second to last one on the album it goes from being kind of like a like kind of like a latin groove to um like a like a marilyn manson song almost right, at the I'm, end i'm already hip yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um so yeah they uh, uh at the end of that one i have like a big like vocal build that i do and um i did it by we placed a microphone on one end and then a microphone on the other end. And I pretty much, um, to crescendo the volume, I ran towards the microphone. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't know how much it got used in the end cause we didn't mix it, Yeah, but you know, I did it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm all about those, those kind of recording tricks and just finding new yeah. ways to get, you know, unique ways to get sounds rather than, you know, like I said, rather than using a plugin or something. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. And it's cool that, you know, so how long did it take you to put this record together? You know, all, um, all in all, we've been playing a lot of the songs live for a good bit, basically mm-hmm. probably since the end of 2016. But um, we started recording um, really just last January, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's about right when we started recording. We finished recording about this January. So it took about a year. It took about a year. Yeah. Yeah. With, you know, basically taking that time because we, we toured as well. We did a big tour last year and then we've done, you know, shows pretty consistently. So doing both at the same time, it just makes recording take a little longer. But sure. I always like taking my time with it anyway. So yeah, I agree. You yeah. know, and I, I think more, more artists should, should approach it that way. Cause I feel like nowadays we're getting to a point, especially with stuff like SoundCloud. You know, in Bandcamp, it's so easy to just put music out yeah. that now you get these people that are like, all right, I, I made this song two hours ago and now here it is, you know, and it, you don't go through that process of editing and having a producer look at it or right. having other people give opinions on it. And like, you know, it, it's like you could have had a five star song. Instead, you got a three star song because yeah. you didn't give it that that, you know, yeah, I think that extra time. Or that I think extra people oomph. maybe like because there are exceptions sometimes where that works sure yeah yeah. it's i hate using like the beatles or the stones as an example but there's a story of um that song instant karma by john lennon yeah he put that out a week after he wrote it so like the day of him writing it he called phil specter i hit to throw phil specter out there again because he's a murderer (laughs) but um (laughs) (laughs) there is that but anyway he uh he called him up that day and they like produced and wrote that song and then it came out on it was on the radio as a number one like a week later. It's yeah. so, like you know, that can happen for people where it doesn't have to be a huge hit, but you know, a minor or something that really makes a statement and um it works. But 
I think people might think that, oh, it's because they did it that way. And it's like, no, it's just sometimes you get kind of fortunate with your writing and yeah. and you may really crank out something that's just immediately good. Um, yeah. Also, you're John Lennon. You also know, that. That, that, that yeah. helps when you were when you yeah, John you, Lennon. You, you spent know? three years playing in the, well, two years or something playing in the Cavern Club 12 hours a day. And then, yeah. Or not the Cavern Club. Well, he did play the Cavern Club, but I'm talking about in Germany. Yeah, but, in Hamburg. You know, Hamburg yeah. And then, um, you know, obviously writing with other extremely talented people. Yeah. Yeah. It's and just exception. like being one of the better songwriters ever, you know, it's like <laughs> that makes it a little easier to, to kind of put something out. But, you know, your average uh, right. SoundCloud rapper, so to speak, is not John Lennon, you know? Nope. Nope. No. Not really. <laughs> So what is your songwriting process like? Is it because you said like now it's a little more collaborative, but yeah. has it historically been mostly you writing? Oh, I grew um, up. I grew up playing. Uh, speaking of Vincent again, who um, I mentioned his birthday, he plays drums in the band. We basically I realized, you know, with his when I thought about what age he was today, I was like, well, we've been playing music together for fifteen years. Yeah. So we used to be in a band together called the Grays, um, with two other guys we grew up with, and we. Um, would play around in Tampa and, and St. Pete a good bit as well back in you know mid two thousands, and uh, so we always were writing together pretty much. You know we do little pieces by ourselves. So I'm always used to doing that. I always feel weird writing myself and then just being like, "That's it. Here it is." Yeah. I like I said even on the first album, I was even talking to my friends who weren't musicians and being like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" You know, because everyone's a listener. You know, and I I know my friends have good music taste so like i trust them yeah um, and sometimes so, you get the best feedback from people that have no idea yeah. what they're talking about you know yeah. like they'll say like hey the, i'm hearing this or you know i don't know how to explain how this sounds but th- it sounds weird to me and that sometimes that mm-hmm. can be the most telling thing yeah because they're the ideal audience i mean yeah you're making music you're not making music for musicians unless you are and then yeah. you're probably not going to do very well yeah yeah but yeah. So, so yeah, I, I like to really like go through stages and stuff. I believe that, you know, you can write something pretty quickly and, and it'll be pretty good, but I like to like demo things out now. So like I have a little home studio and, um, I'll basically get a song idea, lyrics and a chord progression. Typically, sometimes I'll start at the same time. Sometimes I'll just have chords I like, and then I'll kind of like loop them and then I'll just like jam out in my head and then just start singing something. I'm like, okay, if I can, if I can like rock out to this by myself right now, then it's probably good. Cause I throw a lot of stuff away too. Yeah. So essentially I'm, I'm always writing like always, uh, like I will pretty much wake up and fall asleep with a different idea in my head. And oftentimes I'm like, that was, that's a stupid one. I'm not going to, you know, wake up and, walking in the other room and, and recorded. Yeah. You like, do the old Mitch Hedberg thing where like, you just got to convince yourself that whatever you thought of was, wasn't good. That's right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's totally true though. You have to be like, Oh, it's, it's not worth it. No, nah, it's not worth getting up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, he just got a joke out of it. Like, but that, <laughs> like, by him doing that, he was also writing a joke at the same time. Yeah. Which just is his genius. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, that's funny. That situation is funny because I had a situation before where I was trying to remember a song, mm-hmm. and by trying to remember it, I ended up writing something different. Yeah, I'm sure. So that that can totally happen too. Um, it gets it's like by you know looking at it in a meta way, you're just end up creating something. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, but anyway, I like to, and like, especially with this last album, I would demo stuff out at home completely and have all the instruments, but like, just keep them pretty basic. It just like, you know, sloppy drum takes and everything. And then I'd show it to the band and they would listen to it like twice. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, come on, let's learn the song. I just, I just did all this work. And then, um, but they would make their own parts. Right. Because they wouldn't, you know, and I realized it was better that way, you know, that they didn't try to just learn what I made. It was better that they created their own stuff. It always made the stuff better. Yeah. But it's good that you actually have, you know, a, a home studio and a way to demo yeah. those songs. And because it's much easier than coming in and trying to, teach everybody on the spot like how the song works you know just just have them listen to it is much easier yeah you know exactly yeah because then it, you know you have to hear that completed product to really you know you don't want to sit there and like try to mime out the parts and beatbox horribly and all that <laughs> junk that people try to do yeah i mean i'd be down for the beatboxing yeah. i think there should be more jordan esker beatboxing to i be uh I am on an EVR A3 or 20, but you know, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm scared. The, um, we, I have to call out Matt, uh, the keyboard player in the band, because he'll try to like beatbox the drum fills sometimes to Vincent. Yeah. And we'll be like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like he'll put the snare where the kick is. Uh-huh. So we've learned to like understand what like his sounds mean. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's like, we just were like, okay. And like sometimes he actually, we'll get some good like drum fills to us. We're like, oh, that's that's a good point. Well, everybody has their own kind of musical language, if you will, where yeah. they say, you know, they, they sing in a, in a certain way and, you know, do the whole uh, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone yeah. type thing. You know? <laughs> so, Pat Boone, Debbie yeah. Boone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. how I that's do it. A, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. That's yeah. the best fill you can ever you can Pat ask Boone, for. Pat Boone, Betty Boone. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a real fill. Actually, one of, <laughs> I think there's a fill um, in our album that is a Pat Boone, Betty Boone. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I believe. Well, so. then if if some very uh, you know, very in tune listener yeah. hears that and and calls it out, we'll a drumline person. Yeah, we'll give you free stickers or something. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> that's really cool. There's your. So, I just realized that right behind you there is a uh, sign that says "Danger Venomous Reptiles," <laughs> um, and I believe that there are venomous reptiles in there. Yeah, that's, I wonder if it's a fridge. It is, it is yeah, a it's a fridge. It's a fridge with venomous reptiles. Well, then they're like dead. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I've seen some movies. They might I've, be cold. You've yeah. you've seen movies, right? You know, I've seen movies. Things happen in these movies, and it usually starts in rooms like this with venomous reptiles. Yeah, especially yeah. when people are recording podcasts. <laughs> no, that's, that's the the best plot for a film ever. Is that you know the the podcast? These hipsters were recording a podcast. <laughs> when suddenly, venomous reptiles reanimated themselves and murdered them all. A couple was coming to them. Yeah. Yeah, so if nobody ever hears this podcast, it's because we died due to venomous reptiles. Dude, if if it gets out there though, if you run out and you you make it happen, Jason, it's gonna it's gonna go viral. Jason, you have to survive for us. All right, I can just walk outside and open that thing up for you. No, no, no. Dude, it'll go viral. No, no. Why did it have to be? Why did it have to? It'll be go snakes? venomous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So besides that, <laughs> back it's back to music. Worthy call out. Yeah, though. back to music. So. I'm pretty stoked because you're doing an album listening party and hair donation yeah, yeah. soon. Yeah. And you have a lot of hair, my friend. Yeah. I have very little hair. Yeah. So that wouldn't be a problem for me. But you uh-huh. you have a lot of hair. Yeah. So are you donating all of it? Yeah, as much as I can. Um, where like 
I was reading about it. Um, I was reading the Wigs for Kids website where we're donating to, and um, it was saying, like, you can split your hair into different parts. So, like, you can take ponytails from either half of the top of your head and then, you know, split your back of your head in half. So, basically, you'll have four ponytails. Oh. And I'm like, oh, wow, if I do that, like, I'll probably be, like, close to, like, buzzing it if I might have to, which I might have to do, which is yeah. why I've done that before. I mean, I've had all types of hair, and I've had this for, you know, two and a half years. Yeah, I was going to say, how long have you been growing the yeah, current? two and a half dude. years. So wow. It's, um, I'm done with it, especially with, it's, like, 90 out today. Yeah. So, like, I've done it. It's like a scarf. It's like wearing a scarf. Yeah. It's impractical and, for Florida. Yeah, it, it really makes is. sense. Yeah. But you're doing it, you know, rather than just cutting it off, like it's cool that you're donating it and making it part of a, you know, part of the album listening campaign. Yeah. You know, so tell us a little bit about that event. Um, it's at uh, Misu 360 Project Gallery, which is on Central Avenue. Okay. I think it's the 2400 block or something like that. So kind of like Grand Central area. And um, that's actually, uh, we have been friends with them for, gosh, a little over a year and maybe between a year and two years. And um, they used to be in a different location, kind of off of Central first avenue north and um we played a show in their old store one time um and then so we just you know kept up the relationship and would hang out at their parties they do parties every once in a while every other friday or so so um we went into their store that just opened on central and they're like hey we should do an event and i'm like well i got this weird thing where i want to do a listening party for the album and then you know get my hair cut because it's just an unusual you know yeah you just have a listening party, and it's like, oh, okay, why? Right. <laughs> no, but the hair thing is that's a, that's an attraction. Yeah, because I yeah. mean, anybody that knows you is <clears throat> got to be intrigued. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because <laughs> like, like, holy crap, that's a major change. I'm like, why not? No, yeah, who cares? Yeah, and, and you're well, you're doing it for a good cause too. So yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's like, you know, who cares about appearance statement? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome though. I, I, that seems like a, and that's a unique idea. You know, I, I don't see a lot of people doing hair donation listening parties, sure, yeah. but maybe you'll start a trend. Maybe that'll be the thing now. It so could just, be, you know, be. donate some hair and listen to the record and donate you know. something. Yeah. Donate something. L- listen and, and make a part of, and it's, it's funny cause I've always had a hesitation in the past to like, I don't want to act like I'm co-opting something mm-hmm. and you always get that where you're like oh okay we could donate but like where's the connection and obviously there's no connection between hair and music uh, there is there's <laughs> a big connection between <laughs> hair and music it, no, it's true yeah especially if you're like a rock star yeah and it's like uh so i don't know it could be i just hope it's not i always wonder if it's like you know with co-opting things, you just don't want to be looked at as like, oh, they're just trying to like make a name for themselves by connecting them to a good cause. But I don't know. Yeah, it's better than not, I guess. Well, it's also it depends. Like, do you genuinely believe in the cause? You genuinely right. want to support what you're doing? Then you know, you do you, man. Like, yeah, and I picked them because they um, provide the wigs for free, and they also do like a hair replacement system. Okay, which is really um, crazy. I mean, they actually like attach the hair. Wow, to, to the kid's head. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I don't even understand how that works. I don't either, but someone figured it out and it it works. Yeah, yeah. I so, need to get some of that. Yeah, you know, dude, it's probably out there. <laughs> probably <laughs> you go on the black market though. No, I don't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to take it away from the kids. You know that that actually need it. You know. But, so, yeah, you know, I, 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 I let, I'll just, I'll just shave it all off myself and donate my like five strands to charity. <laughs> they, you know? they probably 
be like, Ugh, no, they would salt. They wouldn't even take it. It's like it's it would be like when you like you know like Best Buy does like they recycle uh, electronics and stuff. Like you'd bring in like an old flip phone, and they'd be like, no, just don't even. <laughs> Don't even give us this. That's my hair. Give it to an artist and they'll do something creative with it. Exactly. They'd be like, no, we don't want your hair. We don't want your hair. Donate your hair to to Paper Crane or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Make a hair wall. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To go along with the the TV wall, we'll make a hair wall. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you go to the thing last Friday? I was not able to go last Friday. Um, Matt Friedback invited me, though, and he showed me some pictures, you know, like while he was working on it behind the scenes. It looked really cool. So they're they're always doing wild stuff over there and, yeah um yeah we just had uh jt brown was yeah. on the we, we talked with him recently okay and awesome. uh you know so that the whole scene over there at paper crane is really cool i like the i like the vibe and what's going on in that building so that's that, that's why we picked it yeah so that's yeah. where your release party is yeah. so the album comes out may 25th mm-hmm. the release party is may 26th at paper yeah. crane so um, are you gonna are you gonna have a TV wall there too? Or what, well, they proposed the? the idea that we could play in front of the TV wall, but um, I don't know. I really like the. I have to look at it. I'm gonna look at it. Yeah. So we'll see. We're actually uh, what I really like about that place is just all the rooms they have there. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you know, you walk in, you have like that lounge area um, with a bar, and so what we're actually gonna do is we have a, an artist that I found recently um, who plays harp called okay. his hem, H uh, E M. And, um, from Tampa, yeah, uh-huh. and uh, he plays harp, and he's like an indie songwriter. Um, really good songs, really great voice, and yeah, you know anybody who plays the harp, I just don't understand how it works. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they know what they're doing, but uh, but yeah, he's gonna be playing like in between bands in the lounge area. That's cool. So basically, after the first band, then you'll have him playing for about twenty minutes or so, and then the next band. So constant music, pretty much. That I like because yeah. sometimes you get that break in between you know yeah bands where people are setting up and then you kind of lose the crowd a little bit and people start yeah. to think like eh, c- could i make it to burrito border and back you know and then it's <laughs> like okay then you lost yeah them. it's you true yeah. yeah so you know we're in the age of constant stimulation so that's true so i'm gonna support do, it do some stimulation man yeah. stimulate all of it all of it everybody of it. Yeah. yeah but uh, that's see what i like about paper crane too is that you can kind of make it what you want you know because it is yeah. uh it's kind of a blank canvas in terms of a venue space they're really open to that yeah yeah we're we're thinking of doing some other um possibly having a vendor of of some sort or we're confirming it with them but um yeah so so yeah it's fun and then we're bringing um like i said black key recording um they're actually going to be rebranding for the event really black key productions and um, they're going to be doing sound there as well for us. So um, that'll be really fun. It's be a big effort. And then we're, it, with the the um, wall sound song that I mentioned, we're actually going to be having that whole band of of those five, two saxes, two trumpets, and uh, flute there playing with us on that song. Everybody's going to be yeah. there. That's we'll going to be crazy. And then in 12-string acoustic as well. So I think we're going to have, um, what is that, uh, 10 people on stage at once for wow. that song. And then you know we'll have brass on some other songs as well. So that's crazy. <laughs> be big, yeah. That's gonna be really Fun. big. Yeah, yeah. It's because you know because most of the shows that I've seen at Paper Crane have been smaller bands or like electronic music or something. So seeing <laughs> yeah. ten people on that stage would be yeah would be something. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, we'll see how it works. You, what you need to do next is get ten bass players. Just do the Spinal Tap <laughs> thing. Just have everybody play bass. That would be <laughs> rocking. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, or ten tambourine players. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Get like micro with it. Ten people playing one sound, like uh, like the bells, <laughs> bells groups, but like yeah. with, with it sounds. 
That'd be like a minimalist thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a hard times article at this point. It's it like, does. You know? <laughs> every, every musical conversation devolves into a hard times article. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. God. Shout out to, to Matt Sankum and uh, our buddy Andy who write for the hard times. Oh, yeah. Way. But yeah. Dude, so there's there was one I saw the other day that was something like, um, you know, Guitar Center guitar center concert features like 25 people playing uh smoke on the water or something <laughs> like that you know and it's like and like and you go and read the article and like they say like you know nobody's actually playing together nobody's really in the same key or in tune even but they're all playing it you know so hopefully you know, your like, wa- hopefully your wall of sound is a little more than that oh my god <laughs> yeah i mean well, both are effective in some way yeah yeah totally <laughs> So, so the the album's coming out. You're gonna have a big release show, uh, hair donations. Uh, or we're gonna be balding Jordan Esker, bald right. Jordan Esker, pretty soon. Yeah. And then you're going on tour. We're doing a small tour. We're trying to do like mi- kind of like micro tours throughout the year. I like um, that term, micro tours. Micro tours. That's yeah. that's cool. It makes it sound fancy, like a micro brew. Micro. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> micro oh tour. Artisan touring. Artisanal touring. Yes. <laughs> yes. Featuring the bo of four men <laughs> who will not shower the whole weekend. No. no. We try. Uh, anyway, yeah, we we have we're playing in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. which we played in Raleigh last year and we really liked it. We really playing in the triangle area um, just because we know some people there and it's um, just kind of developed over the past few years. Um, so we're going to be trying to get back there again, uh, at least maybe once or twice um, throughout the rest of the year. Um, and the rest of the dates are TBD for now. I have like four or 5,000 leads going on. That's a but lot of leads, man. That's a lot of leads. <laughs> yeah. How do you narrow it down from four to 5,000? You know, you just, you see who actually responds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the, that's the tough thing is getting, getting mm-hmm. a response. Even you know? it, like, and we've been to like these places a few times, but it's still like, you know, people change their lives. So, like the people we usually go to for shows, you know, if someone moves, then it's like, oh crap, now my connection isn't there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, even if you're able to promise a pool of some sort, it's still, you got to prove yourself again via email to a new venue pretty much so you know yeah you're right like people's lives change and some mm-hmm. suddenly somebody that used to book at this venue now you know isn't even in the music industry or they're booking at another venue or they're yeah. doing this so yeah it's kind of it's tough that's where that's where that like you know build over time and really building your name gets hard is um it's not just up to you obviously i mean yeah building your name means more people know about you and if if people you know we had someone watch us in savannah but then they move to a different state. And then it's like, oh, we're never going to tour in that state. Or if we do, it's who knows when. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take them off your Excel list of people that you contact when you go hit that place up. You know? Right, right. So, and yeah. Then, yeah. And the, the toughest part, honestly, and like I, I, this is something I've been consciously trying to be better at is mm-hmm. like, because a lot of times people will just not respond, you know, and yeah. that's and that's what's tough is when you're like, okay, we have a couple possibilities here. And let's email everybody or let's reach out to everybody and then nobody responds so you don't know where you stand, you know. So I've been really consciously trying to get back to people, even if it's to pass on whatever, tell them no, you know. And there's such a power and such a value in telling people no, you know. Um, It's a really, it's something that more people should do, you know. But it's hard because you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to be a dick. You don't want to let people down. You don't want to whatever. Or you just get so many emails that you can't respond to everyone. But you know, on the other end of the line, you got somebody that like 
you know, they're trying to plan something. They're trying to do something. So if you don't respond, then yeah, you're just being a dick. So that's why yeah. I've learned to like not, you just can't count on anyone essentially. That is where, true. you that know, which is, I think kind of, it's a neutral statement. It's just the fact that whenever you think, okay, I'm going to be playing in Savannah, I'm going to hit up every venue possible there. Um, you know, one day, then the next, and then the next. <clears throat> so like, you know, if someone gets back to me, like the worst problem, the best problem I could have is that two of them get back to me and say yes. Yes, right. Which <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. will not happen. Yeah. So you might as well hit them all up and just see who responds. Yeah. Um, and always hit them up with a completed lineup and everything. And what else can you do? You yeah. Know? Just got to hope so, for the best, man. Yeah. And that's the thing is there's so many bands doing that that it's it can make it tough too because you know you might be a great fit for a venue but Mm -hmm. there's something else going on that day already or another band coming through or it's just yeah it's just is what it is sometimes the timing's bad yeah sometimes the stars align and you have the greatest tour of all time you know it's just it's up to it so hopefully your next tour is more towards the latter more towards the greatest tour of all time yeah (laughs) you know rather than being a hopefully it's not a complete disaster yeah (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry for putting that out into the universe. If the tour is a complete disaster, I'm going to feel really bad. <laughs> so let me know. I'll let you know. All right. Yeah. Let me know. I'll, I'll so take. I'll take the blame. 100. Oh, okay. Sweet. 100. And I don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is your favorite part about being a musician in this area? What's What's the oh, What's the yeah. the best part about it? Um, I like where we're at right now, in as far as a developing. Not a developing area, a developing country, a fourth world country. <laughs> yeah, no. Tampa, man. Oh, <laughs> it's rough out there. I, I like kind of where we're at because, like, I I have been told many times by different people, um, shout out to my sister, uh, who yeah. said, like, you should move to Austin. You yeah. should move to this city because people would appreciate what you're doing there. I'm like, yeah, but then there's, like, uh, sure, maybe. Mm-hmm. there's, But there's a concentration problem. It's much easier to, you know, I mean, granted, there's a lot of bands here that are talented, but there's just not as many as those places because they are recognized as these, you know, live music meccas. So, like, clearly you're going to have people from all over the world going there. There's literally, there's, they still have more live venues per capita, I think, than any other city in the world. Sure. So, like, you know, that just as an example, obviously there's more people that are going to go there. Um, So just naturally you're going to have a greater amount of talent in competition and i've always heard from people that you should be um you should do as well as you can in your own town where you're just at before you decide to make a move like that yeah you no know, if you can't I completely prove yourself agree. in one town how could you how could you expect to be able to do that in another town so, yeah yeah so i mean part of it is that yes you have to have your community behind yeah. you you know first because because yeah if you're if your own community doesn't support you then you know, it's going to be hard to get other people to support you too. But, you know, just on the other side of it from like, you know, I don't consider myself a journalist, but from Mm -hmm. like a music journalist standpoint or from, you know, looking at it as, uh, you know, marketability or whatever, sometimes it's, I prefer to, you know, I get emails from so many bands that are, Oh yeah, we're from Brooklyn or Mm -hmm. we're from Austin or we're from LA or whatever, you know, but sometimes you hear from a band that they're from like, you know, South Dakota or Mm -hmm. something. And it's like, okay, what, what's the scene like in South Dakota? Yeah. Like what is the, what are, what is the music scene? Like how does music get made there? And, and what does it yeah. sound like? What is the sound of South Dakota? I don't know. You know? So sometimes when I get those emails, that's more interesting to me to hmm. see a band that, 
you know, from a city or from a place that I wouldn't expect a band to be from rather than being like, oh, okay, here's another, right. you know, here's, here's another LA band. That's you know? interesting, especially since there's a lot of, I think even nationally, there's a lot of attention on our area right now. Sure. Because we're one of these growing cities that's like, you know, there's a ton of people moving here right now still yeah. um, of all age groups, it seems. And um, so, and there is more live music interest. I can tell because I played in, when I was a teenager, there's more live music interest than there was prior and there are more and more people coming out to shows in general, you know, regardless of, you know, who you pull. But I'm saying, like, if you go play, like, a free brewery show or something like that, I think it's the best evidence of how a live music scene is actually doing. Sure, yeah. Because those people are just kind of going to have some beer and then, you know, have, kind of have some music, too. Yeah. And so these are casual live music fans, and that's, like, the best audience to have. Because if you can have, you know... Like, for instance, we played, this is weird, we play the Vinoy sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're starting to do, like, bands there, like, original bands. Yeah. I told them, I was like, we, we play a three-hour show, and we do, like, five covers. And they're like, that's fine. And they had told us, like, our covers were, or our originals, like, we were like, no, oh, you just play that the whole time, that sounded great. And um, we had, like, some lady come up to us and was like, you guys are from here? I've never heard a band, like, from here that I liked, or something like that. I'm like, well, just... Like there was really good bands everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta, gotta I just, find They just came to you, probably. Yeah. You know, you, you put an original band in the Vinoy, and then it's you know not what you typically would think would happen. That's why we were surprised at first. Yeah. As well, but well, and that's yeah. that's how Austin. I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons yeah. why Austin became Austin, but that's one of the reasons is that you know all these restaurants and bars and places just had a stage, and they would hire somebody to play there as opposed to. You know, just putting on music in the background or having a DJ or something, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what I think our city needs more of. And I think that's what people are starting to get now where it's like, okay, yeah, we can have a live show and have live performers. And, you know, that adds to the ambiance as opposed to, you know, detracting from what we're doing. It's probably how it becomes part of the culture. It is. Because they're like, you know, if you're in Austin, you, you know, anybody who gets introduced there. Um, as like, oh, I'm new to town, then like that's what people do. You know, yeah. it's just part of it. Like you said, you can't go to a restaurant and not see like a stage or yeah. an area for where they have music. Yeah. It's um it's pretty crazy. And that is that's exactly how it becomes part of the culture. Because yeah. then you as a person who's as you said, a casual music listener, you're just like, I'm just going out tonight, but I expect to see live music because yeah. that's what it that's what we do here. You know? Yeah. So yeah, hopefully we can keep building Tampa as a as a live music it's, mecca. It's you know? like a pivotal point right now, honestly, because we've lost some venues. Yeah. And there's other ones slowly popping up. Um, you know, like the Paper Crane is a great example. They're starting to book more and more shows. And, you know, they're not a de- they're a destination. You yeah. Know, so, like, people aren't going there to eat or drink casually, really. But um, it takes places like that to kind of fill a void yeah. that was left by probably really something by, like, 662. Sure. Or something like that. Um, yeah. So, or on the other side of the spectrum, you have a place like Ruby's Elixir, which is, yeah. you know, like great live music, but also people will just go there just to hang out. Yep. And then, you know, they don't really, they're, they're not really going specifically to see one artist, but there's always going to be great music there any night of the week. Yeah. You know? And Ale so, the Witch, too. Yeah. That's just, another, yeah. You know, it's, I can easily go there any night and just know I'm going to have a great drink and, and hear great music. So okay. it's happening. It's yeah, happening. Exactly. It's coming. You know, <clears throat> it is. We just have to be patient. We have to be patient, and we have to keep working at it. You know, and mm-hmm. keep and it it takes a, you know, it takes the whole community. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's funny because it is as simple as you know, 
people I think want to look for some reason to be like, why aren't we there? Or why, you know, why don't more general audience people just come out to live shows rather than just like kind of like a community. But, you know, it's like you said, if, if a restaurant has a stage and they just start reaching out to our community and saying, Hey, bands, where are the bands? Here you go. Here's a few hundred dollars. Fill the whole night. Yeah. Like if that just literally happened more, it, that that would be it. I mean, that's that's the culture right there. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's and that's big. That's the the key part of it is that they have to actually pay the bands a little something. You know, yeah. like it, bands shouldn't just be playing for tips all the time. Like that's because yeah. then people quit and then people give up and they stop trying. But if you're, you know, if you know, like, okay, we can get this gig a couple couple times a month and get a few hundred bucks. At least that's something. You yeah. Know? Yeah, because that so. money goes somewhere. I mean, our our band money create our album, and that that money, you know, creating our art and creating other aspects of the album that went, you know, a lot of it to local stuff. Yeah, you know, so that bands do put their money back in. So we, you know, bought studio time and yeah, because you know. it's just like any other small business. You know, like when you first start, you have to reinvest in the business, yeah. or your business is going to grow. Right, bands are the same way, but yep. you know, historically. In the past, I'm not I'm not gonna name any specific venues, but we've had venues that, you know, don't like to pay the bands or they don't pay bands fairly. And now I, I think, you know, I think the talent here is starting to demand that we be taken seriously and, be, you know, that people get paid accordingly. And the venues yeah. are, you know, a lot of the venues we have now are much cooler than back in, you know, back really? in the day, <laughs> I think. Yeah, so. it's good. that's good to know that. I mean, like, you know, I only have my only you, you have experience with multiple bands. So sure. It's interesting to see it. Uh, to hear that from you as you know something you've seen repeated and change over time yeah that's that's nice to know actually so hopefully that continues yeah because yeah right. but that's that's the way the scene's gonna grow so yeah for sure cool well uh that we're pretty much out of time but i sure. um, just wanted to ask you if you had any final thoughts for the cigar city radio listeners or anything else to add um, this is your floor my friend nope 25th 26th uh we have a pre-order out right now as well if you hear this before the 25th um, if you just go to jordanesker.com um, or jordanesker.bandcamp.com, you can see that we have vinyl up. We have a new T-shirt. Uh, we'll have new stickers as well that we'll give you. And uh, we have a nice little pre-order package where you get a little poster, Ooh. exclusive poster, and then a ticket to our release show. Um, we also have uh, gold vinyl. Gold vinyl. Gold vinyl. Gold is best. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's gold, gold is to best. To match the handcuffs. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Gotcha. You have to look at the album cover to understand. To understand. Yeah, yeah. Or you just think we're getting into some really <laughs> yeah. freaky stuff here in the back. I brought, I brought dysfunctional grace. Handcuffs for you guys today. <laughs> 